0: This is a countdown, this is a podcast countdown, a podcast countdown of the top 35 prospects in the cardinal system. We call it the Dirty 35, it's brought to you by Birds on the Black and Prospects After Dark. This is a song about prospects and counting down and... Bad writing, and wow, are you in for a treat other than just this song? Countdown! Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the second leg of our countdown of the top 35 prospects in the Cardinals organization. We call it the Dirty 35. It's brought to you by Birds on the Black and Prospects After Dark. I am your host. I am Kyle Reese. Uh, For those of you who don't know how this works, uh, I'm not going to be any good to you. I don't really know how it works. If you listen to the first uh, countdown involving the first seven prospects, you'll know that I basically just stammer and stutter all over the damn place. I've gone back and forth trying to decide if I want to give you a recap of prospects 35 through 29. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to list names and positions and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Go back listen to the podcast that uh, predates this one. And give it a listen. As always, find me at Twitter, on Twitter rather, at KyleR416. Email me if you'd rather do that at uh, KYLER416 at yahoo.com. Let's get right into what we're dealing with here. Uh, Prospects 28 through 22. We will list them and then go over them individually. Prospect number 28 is third baseman. Uh, oh, actually, that's not a correct list. My whiteboard is incorrect, family. Boy, that was almost a disaster. That's how stupid I am. Uh, prospect number 28, utility infielder Kramer Robertson. Uh, prospect number 27, right handed pitcher Alvaro Sejas. Prospect number 26, left handed pitcher Evan Krasinski. Prospect number 25, Jose Adoles-Garcia. Adoles-Garcia, we call him Jag. He's an outfielder. Prospect number 24, Ron hel Ravelo, He's a first-base outfield type. Prospect number 23 is third baseman Evan Mendoza. And prospect number 22 is Ramon Orías. He's a utility infielder. Uh, we back up. We start with prospect number 28. That is utility infielder Kramer Robertson. Kramer Robertson is one of those prospects that I am just constantly asked about. Uh, doesn't really make sense, you know. I'm asked about like Nolan Gorman a lot. I'm asked about Dylan Carlson a lot, uh, and then I'm asked about Kramer Robertson a lot. Uh, Robertson a lot. It's just he's just one of those guys. He comes from a pedigreed family, you know. His uh, his mother is a coach for uh, LSU, I believe. Uh, you know that he comes from the LSU program himself. He was the shortstop that uh, took over for. Alex Bregman, my beloved Alex Bregman, when Bregman got drafted by the Astros. Uh, he has kind of a built-in following. The other thing, one of our fine pad people whose name I don't remember right now, and I apologize for it, pointed out a really great point. It might have been Scott Walker, uh, that Kramer Robertson probably has the biggest like, head-to-surface ratio in the entire system. His head looks like one of those heads from the GoldenEye game, uh, the cheat code where the head would get really big. Uh, That's kind of what Kramer Robertson's head looks like on his body. Uh, All that being said, last year, one year ago, we weren't as bullish on Kramer Robertson. Uh, We were a little concerned. You know, he, he appeared to be able to get on base. But he wasn't much, in the, much for much of slugging, if that makes sense. Uh, he had the ability to maybe hit the ball hard, but it really wasn't anything more than just singles. Now, you should know that I'm trying to open up a beer bottle right now, uh, so if this gets weirder than it already is, uh, it's because of that. Uh, so, you know, and then you, you take a step back, and you knew that Kramer Robertson, a year ago, was going to be a very, very good and athletic fielder. But he had always had questions about his arm, and that kind of—those problems hadn't gone away, but his arm got a little bit better. And then in August of last year, he started putting it together for Palm Beach. You saw him taking more walks. He wasn't slugging the baseball, but he his on-base percentage in April was like—or in August last year was like close to 400, I believe. He was doing little things here and there. This offseason, though, Kramer Robertson did something, and he's unlocked a lot of tools— that he might not otherwise have displayed, the power is coming. Now, keep in mind the Texas League and the Pacific Coast League are hitter havens. And one thing that Kramer Robertson does really well to manifest that power is he'll drive it down the line Uh, at uh, Roger Roger Dean at—oh, Jesus, I'm so stupid— at AutoZone Park down in Memphis— one thing about that park is while it has a high wall down the left field line, it's a pretty shallow wall. Now, Robertson has hit some moonshots, uh, especially at A, but he's definitely benefited from having shorter porches. He's found the alleys uh, that help him or help that power play up. It's been a very, very encouraging year for Kramer Robertson. Again, I, I say it in the, the uh, article a lot. He reminds me a lot of David Eckstein. Like, You can't bank on him for much more than just, like, some solid contribution. Ideally, you know, because of his arm, even though it's better now than it was at draft night, like, you wouldn't want him playing a bunch of innings at shortstop. I mean, it could happen. You know, the one thing about him is he's going to make every play, and he's going to put himself in a position to make a good throw. He's just a really talented and smart and heady, uh, you know, shout out to his big head, a baseball player. What happens next is going to be really interesting. We know the Cardinals have a bunch of utility men on the 40-man roster. Urias, Sosa, uh, Edmund, who is clearly making a name for himself. I don't know what that means for Kramer Robertson. I'm anxious to see what an entire extra month at AAA even looks like. Uh, I think it's sustainable. What he's doing right now there is sustainable at the AAA level. But I think we're going to find out more here very, very soon. I know he does a great job of working counts to get a fastball. He doesn't ever chase breaking pitches. He has an understanding of how he's going to be attacked or what to expect in a bat. And he never really expands outside of that. Uh, usually gets a fastball to hit eventually. He's been fortunate, uh, but he's also... Created some of that fortune with his skill set, his natural skill set, and the things that some of the things that make him a, a viable prospect within the Cardinals organization. Uh, you're going to root for Kramer Robertson. You're going to love Kramer Robertson. I don't know if he. I would assume these guys a major league uh, debut in his future, but t- only time will tell. Uh, there's some helium here, and a- as much as I think he's good to go, um, you know, from like being a sustainable prospect. I worry that the helium might wear off as teams adjust to him a little bit better. But again, it's been a great 2019 season for Kramer Robertson at a time when not many prospects are having the type of season that utility uh, infielder Kramer Robertson is having. Which propels us into prospect number 27. That's uh, right-handed pitcher Alvaro Sejas. Now, sometimes we get caught up in top prospects, right? Uh, Sejas was like the 2015 Uh, July 2nd international signing period's best pitcher. Cardinals got him. That was a big coup. It was good stuff. Granted, the the pitching class then was kind of below average too, uh, but it was a nice little signing. And then last year as a 19-year-old in the Midwest League, he got beat around. But then I also forgot that he was 19 last year in the Midwest League. As a 20-year-old, this time around in the Midwest League for Peoria, He's done extremely well. He was just promoted to Palm Beach. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, in the article, you'll see a seven pitch mix from Alvaro Sejas. A lot of breaking pitches. Looks like he's throwing a change or a, a curve and a slider. You'll notice that. Uh, he overthrows both of those pitches in the seven-pitch mix, but he also nails his spot with both of those pitches in a seven-pitch mix. You'll also notice that he overthrows his fastball with two strikes. Typical Alvaro Cejas move. He can use the fastball to get ahead. Uh, speaking of him getting ahead, one thing he's done really well this year as compared to last year is working ahead of hitters. Uh, in the article I mentioned... That last year, if Alvaro Sejas got off to a bad start, or if he was getting beat around a little bit, you could actually see his entire mood and demeanor change on the mound. Uh, He'd get pouty. uh, He'd stomp around the mound. If he didn't have it, you knew right away. In the article, I say something like, it was like he was defeated before he was beat in a start. And it was almost like, what I'm trying to say there is, it was like, through the first inning, you knew that he was going to take the loss that game. uh, By his own reaction. Now, Another great thing about a 20-year-old getting a chance to repeat the Midwest League is a lot of those tendencies have evaporated. Good sign, great stuff, big sign of maturity. Again, when a 19-year-old does stuff like that at a full-season level, sure, it's frustrated. Sure, you don't want that in his profile, but it doesn't mean anything, man. I got to tell you, uh, I'm 32 years old right now, and if I were to pitch in the Midwest League, I would stomp and cry and crab and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I don't even really care. It just goes, It's a pride thing. It's an embarrassment thing. Cejas is a good pitcher. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's nice to see the maturity match start to match his stuff, which is really good, although he does command it somewhat poorly sometimes. I mentioned he made his debut at Palm Beach. And the first inning of that start, he let up a home run. And then he hit the next batter. Uh, And the radio broadcast for, I believe it was uh, uh, The Miracles... Uh, They believe that maybe he was trying to hit the batter after he let up the home run. I don't know if that was true or not. You only get to listen to the games. You don't get to watch them, so it's hard to say. Uh, but the, I would suggest that that's the first time, if it actually happened that way, that Sejas let his emotions get the better of him. And I don't think it's any surprise that if it is the case, that it happened in his first start at Palm Beach. The other thing you'll notice about Sejas is he has kind of a high effort, high volatility delivery. It seems like there's a lot of moving parts there. It seems like it's a lot of energy. Uh, I would say about that, that while it's cleaned up a little bit from last year, It's still a concern. You know, people believe that that type of volatility leads to arm problems in the law or violence and not volatility. That type of violence and his mechanics lead to arm problems down the road. Uh, We're just going to have to wait and see with Sejas. Hopefully it never happens. But it's a control issue, right? Like the more violent your delivery is, the more high effort your delivery is, the harder it is to repeat that. That's my major concern and that's why I bring it up. I I don't mind it. It doesn't bug me at all. I just think that the energy that goes into repeating it pitch after pitch is very, very tough. Uh, The 2019 season has been a success for our number 27 prospect, Alvaro Sejas, 20-year-old at Palm Beach. I'm anxious to see what the rest of the season looks like there. Uh, The Cardinals need Alvaro Sejas to be the pitcher that he's capable of being. Like I mentioned in the article, I think that right now you're talking about a potential uh, major league-type reliever in his future. But with a little bit of... uh, progression and continued command of all of his pitches. I, I think that the ceiling is something I mean the ceiling is obviously more than that, but how likely it is is obviously becoming more and more uh plausible that he's gonna continue to be a starter as he climbs up the ladder. Prospect number twenty-six on our list is left-handed pitcher Evan Krasinski. Now, I say Krasinski a lot. I believe it's Krasinski. I'm not 100% sure. I'm kind of a moron when it comes to stuff like that. I'm going to get a quick drink of the beer. Hold on. It's a New Belgium Triple. It's got like 8% alcohol or something. Anyways, uh, so as most of you know, Evan Krasinski is one of my favorite pitchers in the organization. And when I watch his starts, I am nothing but frustrated watching them. Uh, he does leave a little too much over the middle of the plate. I'm not taking that away from him. Uh, I, I guess I'm not going to overlook that is what I'm trying to say. Um, but he's a better pitcher with better stuff than his results ha- like would dictate. And it's a bummer because when you watch him, you see all of his pitches working really well. You see him commanding all of his pitches really well. It's just... The minute one of those pitches goes awry, it's like it's hit, and it's hit hard. Again, he needs to do a better job of living on the black. It was, that was something he did really well at Springfield last year. So to see him struggle with it this year is, is a disappointment. It's it's concerning. Uh, and then, you know, in the article, I have two different gifts for Kr- Krasinski. The first one is him pitching bad. The, first one, the second one is him pitching good. And you'll notice that, like, it's in the same inning. It's two batters or three batters apart. You'll notice that he can be really good, and he's extremely hard to hit when he's not leaving stuff over the middle of the plate. Uh, His stuff is good. He's too good of a pitcher to be pitching with these types of results. Uh, Sometimes he looked good in Memphis. Sometimes he looked good in Springfield. Sometimes he looked terrible in Memphis. Sometimes he looked terrible in Springfield. Last year during the Arizona Fall League, he looked to be taking that next step. So to see these struggles is concerning and sad and disappointing. And I just want to say one more time that our number 26 prospect, left-handed pitcher Evan Kaczynski, Krasinski, is too good of a pitcher to be struggling to throw the pitch anywhere, any of his pitches, anywhere other than down the middle of the plate. I don't know what's going on there. His velocity hasn't tapered off. His stuff is still breaking. His fastball definitely looks flatter than it has in the past. That's a concern. But... Uh, but I've got to believe that there's course correction coming here. I don't know in what form. You know, one of the things I say in the article, and I know I'm trying way too hard to find something because I want him to be better than what he is, but I think that he rushes himself a little bit more when or he moves a little bit faster when he's given the fastball signal from the catcher. I think his body moves faster. He doesn't take that quick, that deep breath, he takes a quick breath before coming to the plate. And I can't help but think that hitters are picking up on it. Like, that's his tell for the fastball. Because even when he's not throwing the fastball right down the middle, it's getting hit pretty hard uh, in expected counts. And then maybe that's the other issue. Maybe he's just too predictable in what he's throwing. I don't know what it is. But he's been terrible in 2019. It's been a bit of a lost season. And I will die on the hill that Evan Kraczynski is a better pitcher than what we are seeing right now. Uh, in the back half of this, if I had to pick one player that'll be up back up in the top 20 by the end, when we do the, the preseason re-rankings, I'm going to say it's Evan kraczynski Krasinski, Krasinski. Which brings us into prospect number 25. He's built like he's chiseled out of marble. He's an outfielder. Uh, he's old now. He's like 25 or 26. His name is Jag. Jag Adoliz Garcia. For those of you who don't know Jag, uh, he's built... He's just built. That... That he's built, he's a. I mean, he's built like there's built there, uh, there is a, the foundation of building. Uh, anyways, he you know, it wasn't good for Jag when he made his major league debut, didn't really get a whole lot of opportunities. Had a thing that happened around third base, and may or may not have cost the Cardinals a game. Uh, it was bad, 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 and it didn't go particularly well. Uh, And also the thing about last year with Jag is that he got off to a terrible start and really only had like a 40-game period where he was pretty dynamite. Uh, The other thing about Jag last year is Jag could hit lefties. A lot of that stuff isn't happening this year. Jag has struggled against lefties. Jag is striking out a lot. Jag appears to be selling out for power. He's tied. uh, He's first in the farm system in home runs with 16. He's in the top five with 14 doubles. Uh, The power slug is there, but not a whole lot else is there. Uh, He's... Swinging and missing, and oftentimes just embarrassingly bad at breaking pitches from righties. Anything on like the outside half, really, with two strikes, he's not getting a diet of fastballs. You know, you'll watch at bats, and uh, he's hunting for the fastball, and that's where his power is is strong right now. But uh anything other than the fastball, he's struggling to hit. He will, he will reach out on a breaking pitch inside and poke it over a wall. He has that kind of power. Like, that's how natural his power is. But it's been a down 2019 season for Jag. Now, Jag has also played a lot of center field. Not recently, but he's played a lot of center field. And he's done really, really well out there. Remember, Jag has the best arm in the organization, the best outfield arm in the organization, and I can't imagine that being debatable. It can be weird on the outfield sometimes. Uh, not so much in right, definitely in center. But this year, he really seems to have cleaned up his center field defense, and that's a positive. Wrapping up uh, our, our little talk here about prospect number 25, Adolis Garcia. You know, he was a, fifth, like a top 15 prospect in the organization just two years ago, and here we are watching a player's progression just go down the toilet. And this is too good of a hitter. That's too old to be struggling with too much pedigree against too much like high end talent in his lifetime to be struggling this bad, uh, and it just it makes me want to ask a bunch of questions. Uh, and of course, if all he's doing is selling out for power, then this all makes a lot of sense. But something here again just seems off. Uh, he should, and what is now. A part is third part or parts of three seasons at Triple A be performing better than this. Something's not lining up. Whatever it might be. Uh, of course, one of the things that is and is everybody's throwing and breaking pitches and he's swinging and missing at it. Uh, not getting a whole lot of fastballs will really really hurt this type of player's production. And that's what we're seeing, and it's a bummer, and I hate that Jag is 25 on the list because, obviously, he his athleticism, and that's one thing we didn't even talk about. Like, he's speedy. He's a good base runner. Don't let falling, or, falling down, heading home, rounding third fool you. He's a smart, good base runner. He does some weird things here and there, but he's a good, solid player. So to see him fall to 25 is just, man, it's a kick to the soul is what it is. Uh, prospect number 24, first baseman, outfielder-ish, Ron Hel Ravello. You know Ravello because he was just added to the Cardinals 40-man. He already has had two stints with the Major League Club, including the one that led into the All-Star break. Uh, more of a pinch hitter type, as we know. Uh, he's down on the depth chart at first base because of Paul Goldschmidt and Matt Carpenter more than likely, right? Because if... Goldschmidt gets hurt. More than likely, Carpenter slides over to first. Uh, you wouldn't think Ravelo would get the start. You figured everyone would move around. Edmond would go to third. Gyro would go to third. Gyro would go to third. Something like that. Like The Cardinals would be smarter about it than that. Ravelo is just a really solid hitter. Uh, he's a really, really solid first baseman, too. Kind of a below-average left fielder. Uh, but he's just he makes solid contact, and he understands his role and what he's supposed to do. It's been encouraging to watch him hit for a little bit more power over the last couple years. Uh, that's something that has escaped his game uh, up until recently, although he doesn't, still isn't going to hit for a ton of power. You're talking about like down-season Alan Craig-type power if he were to play an entire season. Uh but the other thing you notice is he just he makes really solid contact in the barrel. He he has kind of a swing that's loopy and he gets out in front of the baseball sometimes. Sometimes his hands beat the barrel around. And uh you know, that's something I would definitely do for a cleaning up, but you don't want to do it with a 27-year-old player because this is his swing. Like it's like a miniature Juan Gonzalez type swing. You see a lot of that and uh you know, you just you don't want to jock around or jack around with it too much. You're hoping for the best with what you have. I say it in the article: Ravelo is a prospect you root for. He's a type of prospect that I don't know what kind of major league success he'll have, but I'd love to see him get a regular opportunity, whether it be with the Cardinals or another organization. Uh, I hope it's another organization because if he's up here playing first base every day for the Cardinals, that means things have gone terribly, terribly wrong. The other thing about Ravelo is, and, and this gives me a chance to hit on it here, this little subgroup in particular is really, like, this one grinds on me. Ravelo is the 24th prospect on the Dirty 35. That should never happen. You guys know that I have an aversion to putting the longer-tenured minor league players that are older in age on the list at all. More, you know, If it's hard for me to do that, putting them in the top 25 is extremely, extremely difficult for me. But what's happening is so many players are falling apart around him, that and, and not just from like a production standpoint. I know that when you say that, you look at the stats, but like mechanically and approach-wise, a lot of prospects are taking steps back. I mean, other than Sejas and Robertson, you know, you could argue so far on of the fourteen players we're going to mention tonight: Sedeno, Hurst, Whalen from the first half of the season. Uh Kaczynski, Jag, Evan Mendoza, and Ramon Urias have all taken steps back. So I have to put Ravelo back to 24. I have to put Ravelo at 24 because he continues to get better and better statistically, but also he hasn't changed anything about his himself and his approach. And he's he's attractive in with those skills. So it's just uh, you know. This is as much of a statement of the current state of the Cardinals system as it is anything else, having Ron Ravelo as number 24, uh, other than, of course, the fact that he's a really good baseball player, a really solid guy, and a really smart kid. And, uh, God, that stat line from Fangraphs is long. But... Uh, that is prospect number 24, Ron hel You guys have seen him. You know what to think of him. He looks like he's chasing a little bit of the major leagues, but he also isn't getting a ton of at-bats. Uh, we like Ron hel a lot. Again, anytime a player spends 10 years in the minor leagues and makes a major league debut, you root for him. Prospect number 23 is Evan Mendoza. He's a third baseman from NC State. He's one of my favorite prospects in the organization. And uh, the Cardinals, man, they just brutalized his value. Uh, Evan Mendoza is the best third baseman defensively in the organization. Can't be argued. He might also be the best defense. Other than like uh, 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 Edwin Figuera he, and Tommy Edmund, uh, he might be the best infielder defensively in the farm system. So what do the Cardinals do? They move him to first base. He gets half of his reps at first base, uh, uh, the majority of them early in the year. Now, the other thing about Evan Mendoza is he's not a power hitter. This isn't a move to get a power bat over to first so that he rises through the ranks quick. He's a contact hitter. The slug has not been a part of his game yet. I do think it's in there to a you know, 8 to 14 capacity, something like that. But uh, home run-wise and then 20 to 25 doubles uh, double-wise... It's in there, it's just that it hasn't shown yet it, it's something we're gonna have to keep an eye on eye out for. He's on the i l right now. I bet when he comes back he comes back gangbusters prediction prediction will come back to haunt me. I know that, uh, but that's my main beef with Evan Mendoza, like you know, I say in the article over like a span of forty something games, he went hitless in only eight of them after the first couple weeks of the season. He was starting to get his game together. Uh, he looked ready to go. It gets promoted to Memphis, gets hurt, goes on the injured list. Uh, he was playing more third base before the injury, uh, the, the assignment to the IL. So that's a positive. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he started hitting when he moved back to third base. Look, I know it might sound crazy to bitch about a player moving positions, a minor league player, but it just, when you have a somewhat soft hitting infielder, who is also one of your best defenders on the infield. You don't move him to first base. You move him to literally every other position if you think that he's going to be blocked at third base by other prospects in the organization or players in the organization. Also, don't give Matt Carpenter a contract extension. What are you thinking? Uh, Anyways, yes, third base is a logjam right now, and I get moving him, wanting to move him off of third base. He got some time in short in 2018. Didn't seem to really pan out. Uh, But... You don't put him at first. You put him at second. You put him in the outfield. Like, the one place where he doesn't gain value is to go to first base. And that's what the Cardinals did. Just another curious move in a very curious 2019 season. Uh, but that is prospect number 23, Evan Mendoza. I love Mendoza. Again, I could see him moving up and at least into the top 20 a couple spots uh, when he gets healthy and is back to contributing on a regular basis. Speaking of on the IL for Memphis, we have number, prospect number 22, Ramon Urias. Uh, so, Aureus is more of a second baseman, third base type. He can play short, but it's his weakest of the defensive positions. He made a name for himself by getting off to an extremely hot start in spring training for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, and then I think, I believe, and I wrote it in the article, and maybe I should fact-check this stuff, but I believe he had the first spring home run for the St. Louis Cardinals in 2019. Uh, and it looked like, uh, while he didn't break with the big club and struggled a little bit down the stretch, and I think he dealt with some nagging injuries, again, do some research, Kyle, Jesus Christ, uh, while he dealt with those nagging injuries or whatever it was, he didn't break with the big club but it seemed like early on uh, especially after that spring training performance that he would be at the major leagues at some point. Uh, here we sit on uh, July 9th and I would have guessed that we would have seen Urias by now but his production, and along, his production along with the injury has stopped it from happening uh, we say it in the article, "Got off to his first 80 or whatever bats in April are terrible, not good uh, in May, he starts getting on base, but all of his power evaporates. Uh, that June, for like the week he played, it's kind of the same thing. On-base percentage was high, wasn't striking out uh, too much, wasn't wa- was walking a little bit, uh, but no power. And, you know, one of the things that makes Aureus, if not maybe the thing that makes Aureus a legitimate prospect, is the power that he brings for the role that he's capable of having. So to see the power evaporate a little bit was it troubling, to say the least. I think we can call it troubling, uh, but it's something that's going to need to come. It's going to need to come back when he comes off of the injured list. Uh, I like Urias a lot. Like I said, I would keep him off a of short. I think he can probably play the outfield if need be. Uh, he's okay at third. Has an arm strong enough can make some pretty impressive plays over at third. I think ultimately you want him at second good base runner, good speed around the base path, surprise pop, although it hasn't happened this year. Uh, I would suggest and expect that Urias finds his way to the Cardinals, uh, in September, probably plays a bench role for them, gets limited at bats, uh, even if he struggles down the stretch as long as he's healthy. Uh, Ramon Urias, uh, highly thought of within the organization, very good player, very smart player. Uh, Again, no power, but one thing that we did highlight in the article is it was very, very nice to see him lower his strikeout rate and raise his walk walk rate so far. Uh, if if these two Urias's that we've seen, last year's aureus that had pop, and this year's aureus, who wasn't striking out as much and walking a little bit more, if he can make that into one player, then I think he gives... Tommy Edmund, a potential run for his money in a utility role. I love Tommy Edmund. I, I would have Tommy Edmund, and I had Tommy Edmund almost a handful of spots higher than Urias. Uh, but that pop that Urias has the potential to present uh, is really, really unique for, for the potential utility role. Now, of course, that Ed, look, Edmund's better than Urias. I'm talking about like their ultimate ceilings, uh, if everything falls right for Urias. And also, Edmund is a switch hitter, and that definitely gives him a clear leg up and talks of anyone replacing him as a utility player. Plus, he's really damn good, and he continues to be really damn good for the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm just saying that Urias is the type of utility infielder that, if the Cardinals didn't have Edmund, would fit that role pretty damn well. Uh, He's not as bad of a defender as, as Gyro can be, although I've said it before... I do think Gyro, on a daily basis at third base, would impress people. I think the on-and-again, off-again thing is tough for him for whatever reason. Uh, But, uh, yeah, so as I talk about other players, I'm going to circle back around just to bring it up that Ramon Urias has a quick swing and a direct path through the baseball. And it creates pop, and that makes him intriguing. And now you just hope that he goes back to producing some of that pop while incorporating some of this new... Less aggressive, smarter hitting philosophy. Once he comes off of the Memphis injured list, uh, and that wraps up this version of the podcast of the Dirty Thirty Five midseason report. Prospects twenty eight through twenty two. Uh, go back if you haven't listened to prospects. My my little pod here on prospects thirty five through twenty nine. Tomorrow we will have prospects 21 through 15 for you, and this is a fun group. I probably ramble on more so with this group than maybe the other groups because I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of in love with these kids. Uh, a lot of high upside. I kind of intentionally grouped three particularly high upside yet extremely far away from the major leagues players together because I think all three of them are kind of on the same level. Uh, that's the deep tease for tomorrow. Uh, Again, if you are listening to this, you're part of the Reese's existence. I appreciate it. Uh, For everybody at Birds on the Black, everybody at Prospects After Dark, I am Kyle Reese. I greatly appreciate you coming along this journey with us. Uh, Again, find me on Twitter at KYLER416. If you don't want to do it that way, you can DM me. My DMs are open if you don't want to do it publicly. uh, And even then, if you don't want to go the Twitter route, hit me up at Yahoo, KYLER416 at yahoo.com. And family, uh, this is fun. It's time-consuming. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, And as always, happy hunting.